When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Hey, how you doing there? Wonderful. How are you? I'm well. Um, some travel updates. We've got waterwaystravel.com with us. I don't know if you saw the news, but it looks like they've um, eliminated the mask mandate for travel here in the U.S. Oh, yeah. That's killer. Wild. It really almost is feeling like olden times again. I'm going into grocery stores and I'm seeing fewer masks. It feels like uh, all the surfing worlds in Australia. Shanghai's on a 90% lockdown. Is it really? Yeah. I wonder what they know <laughs> that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it does feel like, like I said, not even the world tour, just like all the free surf pros are in Australia right now. I'm kind of jealous that everybody's on the road, but waterwaystravel.com is your one-stop shop. Um, they're up to date with all of these kind of COVID protocol for each specific region, which is obviously important. Um, when I was young, I had a much higher tolerance for making mistakes while on the road and then end up spending an extra 500. I'm already on a budget, but it's like, gosh, now I got to spend an extra 500 bucks because I did this wrong. I could have been staying at nicer accommodations this whole time. I don't have any tolerance for that anymore. Just have waterways travel, do it check the box, you're done. Book it in advance, you're done. Yeah, look, I totally agree. There's some things where you just don't want to use newbies, you know, new, new people to the space. Waterways, Sean and his crew, they've been doing this thing forever, you know, and this is a situation. When I'm talking about my travel, I want people that are experienced and uh, totally. that's Waterways. And when you're planning a trip, you want to score too, in terms of waves. And so it's like, they know all of that. They know yeah. what each individual spot on their roster does on any given direction, tide, time of year, wind, all that sort of stuff. So exactly. eliminate all the risk, travel intelligently, waterwaystravel.com. And then of course, realwatersports.com is just such a great retail partner um, for your surfboard needs, for any of your surf accessory needs. You can get 15% off those by purchasing a surfboard, then 15% off the accessories. It automatically gets deducted in your shopping cart, uh, realwatersports.com. Yeah, incredible customer service with Trip and his crew. And, uh, you know, if you love gear, like we love gear, Real Water Sports is the one-stop shop. I love customer service as much as I love anything else. And so I love that they are committed to that. I love good customer service, which is what I love about Real Water Sports because we've all experienced horrible customer service. That's my problem. I was born, so in the era I was born, it still existed. And I feel like I've just seen customer service erode in quality over the years. And so when you encounter good customer service, which is maybe a reflection of the fact that they're on the East Coast and the South, kind of, you know, like people are nicer there. <laughs> Real water sports. As we see, 
Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It's Spit. It is the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. It's Wednesday, April 20th. It's 420, David. Have you partaken in any sort of 420, um, I don't Operation? know. What, activity? What would you call it? Yeah, an activity? Well, I've got my... Um... My own version of greens right here. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a stimulant right here. So wow, okay. Yeah. Different type of celebration here in the scales household. Right. But you know, who knows what the day holds. <laughs> really? Interesting. It could be some more greenery in your future later this evening. Is that what you're telling me? No, probably not. You got a baby to raise, got responsibilities, podcasts to produce, you know, you know how it goes. Smoking marijuana is legal. That's true. Isn't that, a, that's a strange thing. Yeah. Strange is it a strange thing? thing? Well, it's just, it's, I guess it's, it hasn't sunk in with me quite as deeply as, as perhaps Here's, it could have. Okay. I don't, so not, I don't partake. So that's probably why, but. Okay, this tangent was not planned, but it was very interesting to me. There's a podcast that I listened to called This Is Actually Happening. Right. And there's there's no narration. It's just somebody telling a story of some uh, major incident in their life. Mm-hmm. And they're all different. You know, like one of them, this guy was kidnapped by the Yakuza in Japan. That was a super interesting one. One might be about um, a woman having an abortion. They're just all different, but they're really intimate stories. They're about an hour long and no narration, just them talking through it. So the one this past week was about a guy who worked on a drug task force in the UK. I don't know what the town was. I don't think he even mentioned it, but he did a lot of undercover work and um, he worked his way up and, you know, over the course of decades and he spent eight years infiltrating this particular gang, getting to know the complete operation, all the players, where it comes from, all this, the low players, the big players, all that. It all uh, climaxes with a huge takedown where they arrest 92 people. This is eight years worth of work, 92 people arrested. And in the end, after everybody goes to jail, they assess kind of the lay of the land and they determined that the they were able to interrupt the drug trade for a grand total of two hours <laughs> because because all the other the other couple of gangs that were competing gangs realized oh our competition just went to jail sweet let's get out on the street and cover that gap and they did successfully yeah. and so this guy who had spent three decades doing this work came to the conclusion the war on drugs drugs are winning Drugs have been winning all along and it's completely, not only was his example salient, but when you look at the research, the harder they, um, the more people they put in jail, the harder they prosecute, those cities actually have more incidents of drug use 
more violent crime associated with drug use. And you look at stats for somewhere like Portugal, who has completely legalized all drugs, including heroin and like real hardcore drugs, crime rate, poverty, all that stuff goes down once it's legalized. So it's a super paradoxical thing and the research is still being done, but it was a pretty interesting story to hear. Yeah. Statistics are interesting, right? They can be manipulated in a weird way. I mean, yeah, the reason the crime rates down is because when you do heroin in Portugal, you're not committing a crime. <laughs> right? Well, that's, but it's all the doesn't adjacent mean that, crime. doesn't mean that Oh, right. It's all, like it's all the adjacent robbery. crime too. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah, the yeah. price of heroin is murder or something. Murders go down all of it. Yeah. So it's, I'm saying, I'm glad Portugal's doing the experiment, not us, you know, right. like we'll, right. we'll wait till the stats do come in, but it was still that story on this is actually happening was because the whole time you're listening, you're on his side. Of course, you're like, yeah, man, go, go hard. And then in the end, he's like, he's rethinking his entire career, you know? Yeah. There's, there's an interesting, the libertarian in me is like, yeah, just legalize everything. And then let's just see where the chips fall. People are going to die. You know, innocent people are going to use drugs and die. They use it all. You know what I saw? I don't know if we talked about this, but the other day I was listening to the news or I saw in the news somewhere, they were talking about fentanyl and, and it was an amazing and a sad story because in San Francisco, I think three, like 30 something highly successful sort of Silicon Valley tech types with tons of money, went out one Thursday evening and had a few drinks and decided to, to buy some Coke and just, you know, dabble in a little bit of cocaine or whatever, you know, and it wasn't like these guys were, you Addicts know, or, yeah, 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 these yeah. were highly successful, you know, recreational they users, they all died that night recreational users of the most recreational characterization right. and they all just died from fentanyl because it was cut with fentanyl and so yeah when you le like if you were to legalize it you know i think you'd see more of that but then real quick you know i'm semi i'm kind of a fan of legalizing everything and just letting the chips fall where they may you know what you can you can snort paint if you want we don't care it's legal to snort paint you might die yeah well, the legalization for that cocaine example would be um, there would then be regulation involved. So it wouldn't be being cut by fentanyl, you know? Well, I don't, in I theory. don't think, that, yeah, in theory, because I would suggest to you that the black market for marijuana still exists, even though yeah. it's illegal here in California. And because of the regulation, the black market exists. Right. Right. It's all very interesting to me. I mean, it's interesting that alcohol is probably the worst of yeah. a lot of those in terms of damage with very, very little benefit, if any benefit. Um, and that's been legal, obviously, for a long time now. It, but it's just obviously big money lobbying that kind of makes these decisions. Yeah. And they're really hard to reverse. But yeah, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, the whole I'm not a, I'm not opposed to marijuana being legalized. That's for sure. I don't see that causing hardly any problems. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, well, human beings like the effects that alcohol and drugs have on their system. Well, so that was also interesting in that episode of this is actually happening was he kept restating that all these drug addicts that he would meet along the way, especially when he was working with heroin, they were all um, using it 
to heal, not to heal, but to cover up trauma, almost always childhood trauma, a lot of sexual abuse trauma from their youth. And a lot of them were actually cognizant of that fact. You know, they would just say, this helps me get through the day. And when I don't do it, the memories come back. And so I've tried to cover up those memories with therapy, with exercise, with all these other things. And that's just, those things aren't intense enough to cover up the memories. Yeah. Well, heroin does a good job. Here's the thing is that, and again, I'm no expert and I, you know, so hopefully some listeners can chime in on this, but the main problem is you don't want to cover it up. Mm. If you're trying to get through it, you want to uncover it. Yeah. yeah, Covering it up just makes it worse. Yeah. Now there's a lot of pain in uncovering it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not a psychiatrist or a therapist, but but that's a good point. Um, Well, Hey, there's huge news that broke last Thursday and I've gotten so many DMS of people being like, Hey, you guys need to cover this. When are you going to cover it? What are your thoughts on this? What is it? So, well, the WSL surfers uh, in the middle of the bells event signed a petition and presented this petition to the WSL. They had 29 surfers sign it, and they were basically trying to get the WSL to reconsider and even to cancel this mid-year cut that is coming up after the Margaret River event. Right. So that got leaked to the public. So we have a copy of that letter. Uh, It got leaked to Beach Grit first, so then it became public. Mm -hmm. And Eric Logan made an immediate response to those WSL surfers saying there's no way that we're going to eliminate that cut. Uh, Here's the reasons why. And so we have that letter available as well. Um, And the surfers then threatened to boycott this upcoming event at Margaret River. Yeah. Um, So we're yet to see how that all plays out. Eric Logan in his response letter to the surfers said that they would be discussing, he was going to hold like a actual meeting for them to all discuss this face to face rather than sending letters back and forth that get leaked. And so that meeting then took place, I believe last Thursday evening. Um, I don't know what happened at that, at that meeting, but what you and I can discuss, Scott, is that petition that the surfer circulated and Eric Logan's response. So what, whose side are you on? What do you think about that petition? Well, to be fair, I know I have heard about the petition, but I haven't read it. But my gut feeling is, like, if you read the last paragraph, they're basically saying the mid-year cuts harder from the mental health and from the financial standpoint, and we don't see it as a sustainable path forward. They're saying the same thing anybody would say who's losing their job, basically. Right. Um, Well, I mean, look, Anyone who listens to the show knows that I sort of look at this from my selfish standpoint, which is a fan, a consumer of the, I'm consuming the product that they put out. And um, I, I guess I don't have a whole lot of compassion <laughs> for the CT surfers, you know? Uh, I'm Guys with the kinda, best job in the world. I'm just kind of like, if you can't hack it, get out. You're not a pro surfer then. You know, Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to win a lot of fans over in the surf industry. Um, But my feeling is, here's all I care about. And this is selfish, but I'm not in any way sort of involved in pro surfing other than as a fan. 
And I just want 12, maybe 16 really great surfers in really great waves with about six to eight events a year. Yep. And any of this other stuff is kind of like, dude, if you can't, if it's hard on your mental health, go get a job as a bricklayer. Yeah. You know, go get a job selling clothes somewhere. Go, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that mentally difficult to be a pro surfer. It's certainly not any more mentally difficult than, you know, you name it. Being a sales rep for, you know, anything. Any, anything. Go sell cars. Or if you weren't performing as a sales rep or a bricklayer, and then your employer put an incentive package together for you to achieve. And if you don't achieve this, then you're going to be let go. And as you realize you're not achieving that benchmark, you then complain and be like, you can't let me go. I now I'm going to, I'm not going to have income. I'm going to be, you know, mentally stressed and depressed. It's a little too late. Well, what's interesting is really not what it says, but the method that they use, like, the idea of leaking it to the media somehow and hopes of gaining sympathy. And perhaps they have, I, I don't know. There, perhaps there are many people that are like, yeah, this is really bad. They, they have a tough life. Uh, maybe there's a bunch of those. I don't know. But um, it seems to me that this would have been better handled um, behind the scenes, back channeling this with the WSL rather than trying to get, a bunch of people on their side to, to, to sort of back them, hoping that the majority of the masses of surfers would be like, yeah, Eric Logan and the WSL, what are you doing this for? And I'm not sure actually how it's played out. Maybe you have a better understanding of, of how it's played out. Do you feel like that the mass of the consumers and the surf fan base are on the surfer side here? No, I don't. Um, I haven't really taken a poll on what the general public feels about it, but my personal thought is this is a big business decision for a corporation that was made a year ago. There's no chance that two weeks in advance, you are going to get them to change course. You know what I mean? The cruise ship cannot change course that quickly. They cannot turn at a 90 degree angle. And so I think it was a stupid, it was a poorly conceived of thing by the surfers. Uh, So I think this reflects a couple of things. The surfers aren't organized properly and there isn't a leader in the surfer organization, the athlete organization. Maybe Ace Bucken was playing this role previously. Uh, I don't know that there's somebody now, but there should be, if they really want to, collectively bargain, there really should be a leader who organizes their thoughts, maps stuff out in advance, comes up with a campaign for it, and then strategically discusses these things with the WSL. This feels like they lost, they had their chance a year ago. They either failed at it or simply didn't take it. And now they're realizing the surfers who are actually behind the cut line are like, oh, shoot, well, we got to do something. Let's make a last ditch effort. And so while I want to kind of champion the athletes against the corporation in general, that would be my default. This is just a lame attempt. Misguided. It's, yeah. And, and as you 
I totally agree with you. And I'm reading, I'm reading through this thing now and I have seen bits of it on, you know, on Instagram and stuff, but, um, but I think, yeah. Can I, so I'm reading between the lines Yeah. and I'm, I'm, this whole next rant is going to be based on a lot of, a lot of things. Warning, rant alert. <laughs> go ahead. I'll see you in five minutes, Scott. Yeah, um, this is all based on all this other information that we've been discussing for years now. But I think that this letter is indicative of the surfer's loss of confidence in the leadership of the WSL. I think that's more where this is coming from. And I think that Eric Logan's response actually validates that. When you read, when you read Eric Logan's response, he spends the first half of the letter rightfully explaining why the corporation can't make a 90 degree turn right now. We have all these sponsor contracts that we've secured. They're based on this concept of making a pointy end of the tour essentially. So we can't change the tour. It would vault, it wouldn't um, void the contracts. But the second half of the letter is passive aggressive shaming and browbeating of his employees, essentially the athletes. So I think that the athletes, again, without full organization, they're all coming to the conclusion collectively and not really, uh, communicating it effectively, but they're all coming to the conclusion. Like this organization has changed management three times in the last four years, let's say maybe five years. And each time the new management comes in, they come in with these um, plans that they say are going to be for the long term of the business, but then they change them in two years. You know what I mean? We did this mid-year cut thing, however many years ago, and it failed then. Well, then they tried these other concepts. Those failed. Now they're trying this other thing again. So I don't want Eric Logan, who's at the end of his two or three years, which is how long CEOs last to implement this thing. I mean, that is how long they last at the WSL. So he's at the end of his run here in theory, and he's implementing this thing that's going to make me lose my job. If I could just weather it through Eric Logan, I, in theory, could keep my job. But what Eric Logan's going to do is lose. He's going to make me lose my job in this arbitrary concept that he's creating, he's going to, so let's say he drives this thing off into a ditch. He's going to leave the keys in the car and he's going to walk away from the car. I surfer below the bubble, no longer have a job. And then what, you know what I mean? Then I have to requalify. They're going to bring back the full tour. Let's say they eliminate the cut after this year, which they've done in the past then I have to re-qualify. Like, I don't think that they have confidence in the long-term vision to really get behind the concept. And they're just looking at saving their job at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing's, I don't know, man. It's It doesn't bode well for either side, to be honest yeah. with you. The way I well, see it doesn't it. bode well. If you're the corporation and your employees are showing a lack of confidence in your decision-making and what you're doing with the company, that certainly doesn't bode well for the organization. Yeah. There's, um, there's sort of a festering vote of no confidence for either the tour as a whole or for individuals within the tour, whether that be uh, the commissioner, uh, Ms. Dyer or the president CEO, Eric Logan. Um, I, let me say this. 
there were about four hours of incredible surfing at Val's. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be clear. There was four hours of really good, perfect Val's with the exactly. top, top surfers in the world. Okay. So, so how do we take that and go, let's copycat that let's cookie cutter that. You know, the same way we've been saying all along. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm go going to record the show. Out. Yeah, I know. So tour. let's waves um, of the stars, man. The wedge of the stars. The surface so we can, stars. we can integrate that conversation about the petition with the bells conversation. So how would you rate the bells event as a whole? On a one to 10 scale. As a whole, I would say it was like a six. I was going to say four. Okay. Well then, you know, that's kind of like, you know, we're nitpicking a little bit. Like I could say so, four, you could say six. My feeling is there was four really engrossing hours and the swell was really good. And the tide was right for a certain amount of time. And there were some incredible heats. There was probably eight or 10 incredible heats. So, um, but yeah. on top of that, you have a petition. You had a, a semifinal heat where waves didn't even come through. Um, you had a long, you had two weeks of going, oh, God, here we go again. Um, so let's discuss, let's discuss this forecast and how it played out. Um, they ran the first couple of rounds at knee-high, junky, winky pop. They ended up running the finals at waist-high Rincon which is a travesty, they got, like you said, a four or five hour window in the middle of the competition that was good and exciting at Bell's proper. The swell forecast was, was good. No, no, no it was but it was, it, it was big later in the window. They yeah. still had waiting period after they ran, after the final day of competition ran, there was still waiting period. No, that Tuesday existed. the 19th, I put out a thing on Instagram or on Twitter. Tuesday the 19th was like ridiculous. So this now, so if we look at it under this context, the blame falls with Jesse Miley Dyer. She's the one making the decision on when they run and how they run. Why would yeah. they have run the finals at knee high or waist high Rencon? Because it was Easter Sunday. That's and a it, terrible, terrible. I agree. Decision. I totally agree. That's that's got to be the only reason why there were forces, and I don't know who they were, but it could have been people from Rip Curl pushing down pressure on Jesse. There's no way that Rip Curl would want to run in those conditions. I don't know. I'm just saying, like somebody said, it's Easter Sunday. We have thirty thousand people in the car park. What are we going to do? At some point, and I wouldn't be surprised. That's if there's, a if there's it's an insane decision. I, I'm, I, I agree with you. I, I, see, I, I think, stupid. I think I if think you're totally stupid, I'm just saying that I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the pressure of running on Easter Sunday was part of the decision-making process. Yes, but I'm just trying to point the blame at somebody, and I don't think Rip Curl's the one to blame here. I think Rip Curl's interest is in running in good surf, and so well, hold I on, hold on. Let me just say this. Let's assume it was Rip Curl, and I'm not saying it was. I don't know. I think what you and I are getting at is it doesn't matter because the buck stops at the commissioner's doorstep, and the commissioner needs to go, sorry, Rip Curl, I don't care about these 10,000 fans. We're waiting. And yeah. I'm not sure that, that, that obviously that didn't occur, and that's the problem, is that we need a commissioner that can go, nope, these people exactly. are all going to have to come back in three days. 
or two days. Of course. And by the way, if they're making the decision based on the the paltry number of people who can fit onto that beach, that is the wrong way to make the decision when there are millions of people on the internet that you are ultimately trying to sell to anyways. And, and if you run a more successful event, meaning best surfers in the world in the best waves, you will get more people on the beach next year. You will get more people on the internet stream next event and next year. So that should be what you're doing. I agree with you. The commissioner is the one responsible here, full stop. But I think that the, the commissioner is appeasing the corporation. And the corporation is paying for the event to take place. And it's less expensive to run the event, let's say, in three days consecutively than three days spread out over the course of two weeks. And so that starts affecting the decision making at the behest of best surfers in the best waves. Yes. No, look, and it's was, a, it's a yeah. huge mistake. Oh, and this the is again, Ewing heat was just horrible. And this is again reflective of that petition. That petition is those surfers going, we were kind of okay with the cut concept until you ran an elimination heat in knee high winky pop. And now yeah. we're kind of looking down the barrel of the gun and we have no control over whether or not we make it through this heat because there's no waves coming. It's not even up to us anymore. And you guys, I was really questioning when you were running us at beach breaks. I was questioning when you were running us in wave pools. So I've been questioning it for the last three years, but now I'm actually looking at losing my job. Yeah. That that's why the petition happened. It was too little too late, but it's like to see the decisions being made in the conditions with the forecast that they made at Bell's. It is the last straw in a long line of straws that have been <laughs> that have been plucked. A long, uh, a long line of straw. <laughs> the last straw. I don't even know where this analogy goes, actually. Um, but there's a long line of short straws. Basically, they were all short straws. They keep they get to the very final straw and they're like, "What the heck, man? These are all tiny." Um, anyway, so I was very unhappy with that. But you know, it's funny we're sitting here talking crap about bells for the last couple of weeks and two, two or three crappy days run. Like you said, four hours of good surf run. I then get five emails, five DMS from people going, Oh, you guys were talking crap on bells. Look at how good it is. It's pumping right now. And then the next two days go to crap again. And I don't hear from those emailers again. (laughs) It's like those emails did not age uh, very well. Well, okay. So things to celebrate about this event, the very first bell for both Tyler Wright and Felipe Toledo. Uh, congratulations to those two. Tyler Wright absolutely was the best surfer on the female side throughout the event. She has kind of, um, fallen off form for the last couple of years, but I felt like this was a return to her greatness and Felipe Toledo. I felt like was head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. He had a close heat, a couple of close heats, um, one with John, John Florence, but even then I felt like Felipe kind of stood maybe not head and shoulders above John, John, but head above John, John, uh, who was surfing incredibly throughout the event, but Felipe was just the man to beat. So huge congrats to Felipe. Yeah, absolutely. Both the surfers were in form and you just kind of had the sense, especially with Felipe, that there was nobody that was going to beat him. Um, yeah. the, the heat, of course, the heat of the day was John John oh, and 
of the yeah. event. I don't even know. Yeah. Was it that day? John John and Jiao was pretty incredible. It was in the middle of the event. I want yeah. to say it was like a round of 32 or something. It was during that four hour window. That was insane. Yeah. So Joao, this was exciting for me too, because um, this is a rematch of their pipe heat, right? So like at pipeline, the waves are absolutely pumping. Joao was surfing incredibly throughout the event, but he drew John John and pumping surf. And so everybody was like, man, you got to give it to John John, but Joao, good job. And then they went back, they went wave after wave, 8.5, 8.7, 9 point ride, 9.5. And Joao took out John John on his home turf. So then to see them draw each other again at Bells when the waves were starting to pump was like, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens. And it was the same exact level of excitement came right down to the wire. And then John, John took down Joel, uh, but it was super exciting. It was exciting. And my sense was that J Joel gave everything he had totally everything he had, like there was nothing left in the gas tank. There were no more. And it just didn't match John, John. Like in a Completely. weird way, it, it speaks to pipe as being such a great competitive format because the waves can dictate who does what, who can beat who. Whereas when you have sort of smaller, more rippable waves, you really saw John John. In my opinion, John John was head and shoulders above Jiao, and and, it, and it's not taking anything away from Jiao. I know Jiao scored incredible, you know, eight nine point rides and. And he ripped like anybody else would have lost to Jow, but he drew John John and the mastery was just there. Yeah. John's, I mean, look, John's one of the best surfers in the world and it's the, the score line does not reflect that. I don't know what you and I kind of, after doing something for 20 plus years, or in your case, 30 plus years, um, can identify the the score line is not able to translate that type of nuance. It isn't. It really isn't. And um, we can go on and on about that, but well, the limitation the sub subjective, of the subjective nature of, of why it's not really a true sport, like that you don't score your own points and that's problematic. Yeah. By the way, this brings up something else that, that I want to touch on and I hope I'm not going to step on any toes, but I was thinking about this the other day. And I was because I was watching the women surf and I was like, yeah, you know, Tyler absolutely ripped and deserved to win. And she surfed, she surfed really well. Um, and I was thinking, you know what, though, like I wouldn't really want to surf like that. And I wouldn't want my kids to surf like that. And then I got thinking, well, what about other sports? And I started thinking, God, if I could play golf like any of the top women golfers, I would absolutely do like, I would be stoked to trade my golf game for any of the top, probably 100 golfers on the women's LPGA. And then I was thinking about the tennis players. I'm like, God, those girls absolutely could blow doors on me. Even if I was 22 years old, like I, you know, like giving my, like, in other words, at the height of my athletic abilities, I would absolutely trade in what I have for what the LPGA golfers. And then I started thinking about their coaches and I'm like, I bet their coaches aren't as good as they are. I bet the, the coaches on the LPGA, I bet they're not as good as they are as the, the golfers. And same with the tennis. I bet the, the coaches of the top 
50 or 75 or 80 professional tennis player women, those coaches aren't as good as the women are. And then I was like, I bet Richie Porter could go out and surf better than Tyler Wright right now. The guy that's in the booth. Mm. And maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong here. What are your thoughts well, maybe, on this? Maybe not, but his coach, I mean, her coach, Glenn Hall, would yeah. take her out, would take her out in the heat. Yeah. And do you think any of the other coaches on the LPGA or the women's pro tennis could I don't could take out I don't Serena know. Williams? No. Hell no, dude. She is friggin' insane. Those yeah, women so what tennis players are insane. They're so what so you're saying what is they do. what you're saying. So the question here is why isn't the level of women surfing at the same uh, level of competence that other female well, pro sports are at yeah and i would even say look um the women's surfers technically yeah they scored an 8.9 but why is it when tyler wright scores a nine am i going i don't care i still don't want to surf like that well it's and the it's same reason of, you, it's because you of used style to say that, it's because yeah, of style i think it's That's the what it is. but applying the gender to it i don't know is applicable here because you used to say that about adriana de souza i do and i still do yeah, I still do. No, so it, I, it is about style more it's than about anything. Style, whereas because Stephanie Gilmore, you would say you do want your kids to surf like that. Maybe she's better. She's better than. But there's a million guys I'd rather have my kids surf like than Stephanie Gilmore, as far as like styles concerned. My point is this: is that in sports where you score your own points, golf and tennis, style's not a factor. I don't care how you swing the golf club. You made a hole right. in one. Oh my god! So to me, I don't that's care how you swing the tennis racket. You just, so, you just served 130 miles an hour and aced everybody Yeah, because style's not a fact and style subjective judging is such a big part of this. And they're trying to take that out of it by going, Nope, the top turns an eight, you know? Okay. So two different conversations here and I'll discuss the style one. Cause I think that's more interesting, but there is what you're talking about is based on surfing's an art much more than exactly. Than objectively it's an scoring athletic sport. endeavor. It's not a true sport. The other conversation about why hasn't female surfing progressed as rapidly as other female well, sports in terms of competence, no, that's no, no. a that's, different conversation. That's not, but that's not what I'm saying, because I think that female surfing's progressed incredibly. You and I are in awe of how quickly these women are great technical surfers. So, but So the style conversation, though, um, I completely agree and it it is always going to be a futile effort to try to score these things and it gets really highlighted at a spot like bells where there is so much downtime in the wave and you have to do lazy cutbacks because the style of turns that um felipe was doing he'd go up vert do a full uh, rail turn, like not necessarily connect with the lip, but he would position his board vert, get it on rail, wrap the thing all the way back into the pocket to where his tail's now facing forward, do the entire thing on rail, just so quick and lightning fast and be like completely turned backwards and then whip it back around, go straight into a bottom turn way more difficult to do than Emai Kalani DeVault going up and cracking the same section without getting all the full degree. He's still putting power into it and all that sort of stuff. And the judges scoring 
goes, okay, he went in with power, speed, power, and flow into the first section of the wave. Emise was incredible, so we give that an eight, but Felipe's was better, so we give that an eight, five, or whatever. But in reality, the distance between those two things was tenfold. You know, the, the criteria just doesn't really allow for it. And you and I, I mean, you, I, I think instead of comparing it to objectively scored sports, which are so starkly contrasting, it'd be better to connect or compare it to music where, you know, heavy black metal rock, maybe it's super technical to play. I just am not very interested in it at all. And there's a huge fan base that loves it and they can argue with me about how technical it is and hard it is and give me the context for why it's important and all that kind of stuff. But it just doesn't resonate with me in any way. And I don't want my kids growing up playing it, you know, (laughs) and then but I do want my kid to grow up playing classical piano and that might not resonate with them. And that's really the analogy that we're talking about here. Emi Kalani DeVault's turn, totally valid. Maui loves it or whatever, but then, you know, but Felipe equally valid and probably has a much broader fan base of appreciation. Yeah. Oh, you, you kind of nailed it. I mean, it's, it, that's, and that's my point is that subjectively where you're, I'm not as enticed by what I see on the women's side of the equation. I think that doesn't have to do with style so much. I think that more has I think it to do does. with the other thing. I mean, I think it has to do more with the other thing of they're not. Um, if we saw turning a, as, buttery, turning, a buttery turning woman. Turning as fast. Through. Yeah, but they're not turning as fast, hard, and doing exciting maneuvers above the lip. That's why it's not as exciting. Well, the, the, for sure that, and they're not doing it with style. I mean, now there are some, but my point is, is that if, Glenn Micro Hall can go out and do it better. It's it. And and the LPGA coach can't. Yeah, but the the difference there is the LG, the pro women's golf, pro women's tennis have been a, around for a lot longer. So they're kind of um they're farther down the runway. They've had more practice. They've well, had more reps, all that sort of thing. I won't be so, surprised that if in five years we're, we're going, wow. You know, like when we see, if in fact the Aaron Brooks of the world do decide to become professional surfers on the tour, I think we're going to see a, an, an exponential increase in. Of course. And how great these girls surf. Yeah, of course. And like Serena ways, Williams. Tyler Serena Wright's, Williams wouldn't be as good as she is if it wasn't her predecessors that, right, you know, right, busted exactly. down the door. Exactly. Yeah. So Tyler Wright's busting on down the door for Aaron Brooks. And I think, you know, I don't even know if that's true. I think Aaron Brooks is just busting down the door for herself. I'm, now she's probably inspired by the Carissa's and the Tyler Wright's of the world. But if she wants to compete on the actual CT, it's the Tyler Wrights who are the ones doing the hard yards now to have, to be put in the same venues as the men and to be put in the same conditions as the men and all that sort of stuff, except for the fact that Tyler opted not to surf pipe when it was pumping. And that's why the women didn't go. By the way, I hope that's in make or break. I hope that's part of the make. Like there's so many stories that I'm going, God, I hope they put that in make or break. And if they don't, I'm going to be like, Hmm, kind of a fail. 
Totally. You know, and in fact, this whole, um, you know, petition thing, if this isn't in make or break, you have a fail. Everyone totally. knows about it, but we're not going to tell you. It's like well, fake news or something. So that's the reality. You nailed it. If it's a behind the scenes, it needs to show us things that were not discussed publicly on the broadcast. And when you watch that F1 series that the same production company made, Drive to Survive, it's on Netflix. I think there's four seasons. They do talk about all the behind the scenes stuff that the F1 commentators have no reason to talk about. You know, like um, ownership changing of the teams, little infighting between the, the different drivers that are on the same team, all that sort yeah, of stuff. That's, that's different, all gossipy. though, than drivers going, hey, you know what? There's a breakaway F1 series that we might be interested in doing. There's no way that F1 people would let that happen on Drive to Survive. Yeah, they talk about all this stuff. Oh, dude. do they? Do yeah, they, oh, they do. Well, they that's do. a good sign. That's a good sign. Now, well, it makes it more compelling. I will say this about make or break. Do you want to switch gears to that? No, I do want to, I got more stuff on bells, but we can talk about make or break too, because it all ties in. A couple of thoughts. Uh, Caleb Robson is worth mentioning. He's a rookie. We talked about the rookies at the beginning of this season being the most exciting rookie class that we've seen in a long time. Caleb Robson doesn't have a sticker on his board, not a major sponsor. He made the finals uh, against Felipe Toledo and he is now positioned sixth right behind the top five cut line. Uh, He jumped nine spots ahead. There was controversy between Idolo Ferreira and Jack Robinson in that, I think it was a semifinal heat because those scores were so close. They could have been a Jack one, could have been argued Idolo one. This comes down to what I was saying about the wave having so many slow spots where it's just like when you watch somebody do eight, I don't know, five, six turns, from beginning to end, it's really hard. Okay, turn one was better for Jack. Oh, but turn two is better for Idolo. Turn three, they both did cutbacks. Turn four, okay, that he hit the, you know, it's just like you you really lose track of what's what. I really tried. Let me to ask isolate. you, I got an I have an idea. Okay. What if at Bells they took points away after the wave? Like let's, you know that part of the way where you start just doing slow mushy cutbacks hoping yeah. to set up an inside section yeah what if you took points away if you rode that far like you could only ride in the bowl and once the bowl wave was over you kicked out and if you didn't it worked again you just didn't get any more points no matter what the score happens on the wave outside which is the proper wave well until it's pumping and that section connects through you know what I mean? Like the year that Felipe won out there, the year that John John won out there, there was exciting turns throughout. So. Okay. I, I see where you're going and it applies to a very specific instance or scenario, but I don't think you can just blanket that over the whole season yeah. or a whole venue even. Well, it would be at um, that venue. It would just be at, at, at that venue. Like I, I found myself going, do I really want to see him? Do these lame little cutbacks? No, kind of hop don't. through the section and then hit the end section and like claim. No, it. Be- you don't because the end section was not compelling on those days. When right. it is big, then it's an exciting end section. But yeah, you're right. Just to to better a six up to a six eight. No, it's not worth sitting around for those extra thirty seconds. 
you know. Now, some would say, look, that brings a lot of the athleticism into it, though, because there's a lot of leg burning. We saw it in McFanning. There's those guys that tires you out doing that extra hundred yards of hopping and cutting back and hoping to get one last blast, you know. And so the guy that's the guy that's a little bit better, you know, in well, that's in better shape. Great. So great segue to Kelly Slater. Did you, you always talk about the importance of uh, getting the post heat interview with the loser, Yeah, which I agree with you is almost, almost always more compelling than with the winner. Did you hear Kelly's post heat interview? No, no, I did not. After he lost, he blames COVID for his loss. Um, <laughs> no way. Do you, want to, do you want to hear it? No way. You want to hear it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't see his ride, so I can't really comment, comment on his rides. Um, eight's, a, eight's a big score, you know. I surfed my first wave really good, my 7-1. So he must have, like, shredded the shit out of that, excuse my language, um, his last wave, you know, like, to be more than a point better than mine. I don't know. I, I mean, you got me right after the heat. I'm a little steamed right now. So, But I, I did fall on the, at the end of both my scoring rides. Um, if I'm going to be critical on myself, you know, I, I needed to probably stomp those. I tried an air reverse on the shore break on one, and I did cut back and hit it on the other a little late. I just, I'm a little low energy after COVID. You know, I'm like a week recovered from COVID. So, like, after every wave, even my free surfs, I just feel like I got to breathe up. And, I, you know, my whole body feels pretty drained. So, just a little tired. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, hey, look, on a better note, how good is it to be back in Australia? Great to be back in Oz. Been a couple years for me. Three years since Bells, two years since I've been in Oz. Um, it's a weird world, Kaipo. It sure is, Kelly. It sure is. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Hey, we'll see you. Mm, interesting. Lot, uh, is there a lot to be read between the lines there? No, but I we were discussing whether or not he actually had COVID because he posted that in his Instagram stories on April 1st. And we were questioning whether or not it was an April fool's joke. And um, it seems like, yes, he did have COVID and he is recovering from it. And um, I don't know how much there is to read between the lines, but I got to say it's a much more interesting heat interview than just hearing the winner or, you know, I like hearing him cuss. I like hearing him be really upset about the scoring. He doesn't, he never even saw Emi's wave, but he's in, convinced that it wasn't worth an eight, even though he has, <laughs> which is like, all right, no, I, shred the, I shred the crap out of mine and I only got a seven. How did he get an eight? It has to be a lot better than mine. It's like, I'm sure. That's all he said. He goes, I guess it was a lot better. Than mine. There was a little bit of, you know, I'm going to go and review this and it better have been a lot better, a whole point better than mine. Well, so what's By funny way, I is thought, I, I thought he might surf pretty well in that event. He did. I was he, impressed. It, totally. And he might make the cut now because of this result. I actually watched, because Kelly saying those things, I went back and really fine-tooth combed that heat yeah. to watch their two scoring rides. I think Kelly got robbed. Yeah. Kelly's, again, talking about that kind of nuance and the degree of difference that the judges cannot account for. Yeah. Kelly was surfing freaking, I mean, his turns that he's doing are just so, uh, sophisticated, so sophisticated. The thing that you talk about, especially today, which is so true is that the judging just, there's not enough room in the judging for the truth to come out. And, and I think when you, when you and I go, look, the waves of the stars, like that won't, that's never the case at pipeline. I know that's going to not be the case at Chopin. 
And Fun that's break. the problem with having events at just even, even spots that are like, I would say bells is like, let's call it a seven on a scale of your greatest waves in the world, you know, and there's a on bunch its of, best day on its best day. And there's a bunch yeah. of tens out there like Epic Tavarua, Epic J Bay, Epic Kendui left. And, you know, we can name them G9, blah, blah, blah pipe. Um, and so this kind of is even more fuel and more gives more backbone to my, my, the waves are the stars uh, argument. I mean, it's crazy how many times we've harped on this exact thing and then they run a new event or they run another event and we have to restate it again because it solves. I always say it solves all the problems and it sounds like hyperbole. It really solves 99% of the problems. If you run them at eight foot cloud break, if you run them at eight foot, all the complaints that come out of this, out of every event, judging squabbling, uh, priority hassling, all this kind of stuff gets solved by eight foot cloud break. Let me ask you a question. Um, let's say we, the WSL changes completely. The, the CEO's gone. Everything's gone. We get a new regime and they go, you know what? We're doing the purple blob tour. The WSL is going to go to six events, maybe eight. If there's a purple blob, we will. It's going to be fluid. And would you rather see John John versus Joao? Who maybe isn't even doesn't even make the cut, but you're you have but the new regime is like I don't care. This is what the people want to see. Or would you rather see John John versus Caleb Robson? Joao. Well, because there's a storyline with Joao right now. Okay, now one more because here's the wild card. Or would you rather see John John versus Clay Marzo? Clay, for sure. So yeah, the Purple Blob Tour needs to have room for the wild card element. I think the wild card element is still valid and interesting and all that. That's how we get the Conor McGregor's. That's how we get the Conor McGregor's. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's one other thing. Sean, my buddy, Sean emailed about Chloe and Dino. Hate to hate to throw shade at Chloe because he seems like such a nice kid and he is a good surfer, but Sean said, Kaloe has zero relationship with the ocean, zero mojo. He's almost anti-charisma in the ocean. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> the, the reality is Sean uh, really didn't pull a punch there, but I think the, the overall thought is Kaloe has been on tour for maybe a decade now. When he came on tour, he had all the expectation of winning a world title, winning multiple world titles, all that sort of stuff. The kid hasn't even won an event yet, 10 years in. And you watch his surfing and you think, man, he's a good surfer. But he's never, again, winning. He's never a threat to actually um, displace a Felipe, Gabe, John, John, any of that stuff. And so Sean is blaming charisma and relationship with the ocean, which I think indicates Kaloe's uh, robotic kind of, he was so overcoached, so overtrained, so overly groomed to be a professional surfer that it almost undermines the essence of surfing in a way that Clay Marzo is clearly got in spades, you know, even though Clay Marzo might not be able to put together a heat. Yeah. Um, but he would if it was eight foot can do it. 
Clay Marzo would put together yeah. a heat in good and purple well, blob tour. He'd, he'd get a 10. He just might not be able to back it up. You know? <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a little hypercritical. I do see where Sean's coming from. Um, and, and, you know, you could certainly make that point. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's a little hypercritical. I think it's kind of low hanging fruit. I, I, I think that, you know, Chloe, frankly, could could if Chloe makes the top five cutoff, he's a contender at lowers. Mm, I don't think no? he is at all. I don't think he is compared to any of those guys I mentioned. Well, he can't take I agree. Out he's a long shot. No, he's a long shot. Yeah, Felipe Idolo. Uh, That's just Gabe. sad. That's just sad. It's sad that we're having the finals at lowers. It's just the whole thing's yeah. kind of. The and by the thing, way, Chloe's the whole thing is is so scripted. Like it's so easily. That's kind of the way I felt about bells around. I, I just knew Felipe was like Felipe was. There was nobody that's going to surf better at bells than Felipe. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from what Felipe's doing. I just wish that the waves had more say in it. Yeah. Right. And and I, by um, the way, I love watching Felipe surf. I mean, me too. A guy is just. You know, it's fun to watch, but you know, I can watch it on an edit. Final um, thought on Bell's Moana Jones Wong, obviously one pipe, got a wild card into Sunset and then didn't get wild cards into the Europe and Australia event. But she has currently on the rankings 11,000 points, 14,000 is the cutoff. So had she been, had she made it into the last two events, even if she had gotten last place, she would be right at the cut line. So if she had gotten anything better than last place in the last two events, she would have qualified um, move or she would have made the cut moving forward. So it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Obviously the WSL doesn't owe a wild card entree into the rest of the season, but it is interesting that um, she would have qualified had she had access to the last two events. She um, should have signed the petition. <laughs> maybe she did she didn't uh, look i'm looking right do now. you do you want to go to commercial break before we finish the show yeah and i do have a hard out okay. when you're hiring for a small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role and there's no faster or effective way than through linkedin jobs your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally 
free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I was walking through Trader Joe's yesterday. Yeah, buddy. Grabbing, grabbing some stuff for lunch. And I saw the beverage display and they had some juices, some green drinks. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just grab a green drink in addition to my lunch. They're $5 packed with fruits and vegetables. I'm sure they're good for you. And I'm like, I don't need that. I got my AG one flowing through my veins right now. Cause I had it for breakfast. Don't yeah. need a $5 green drink. I've got everything I need for a fraction of the price delivered to my house every month. And I have it every morning. I'm the same. I, 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 uh, you speak my name as Oprah would say, <laughs> Are you, man, Elo really has influenced you. Hasn't he uh, you watching I, Oprah now? No, I think that's the thing I got from the Howard Stern show where they always use that, that audio take of Oprah going, I speak of your name or whatever she says. It's just super creepy. AG one speaks your name. Um, <laughs> so yeah, forget about expensive, uh, green drinks, forget about expensive supplements because this packs all the vitamins, minerals of those as well. Do your research, go to athleticgreens.com slash surf to see everything that is in this green super drink, but you will uh, jump on board with us. And of course, with a ton of listeners at this point, I get nothing but positive feedback, but it supports our work. And of course, supports your immune system, your health, your longevity, all that kind of stuff. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Yeah, buddy. AG1, athleticgreens.com slash surf. All right, Scott, welcome back. Uh, did you have anything to say about make it, make or break? Yeah, I'd like to get your take on my take, and I'd like the okay. listeners to give me your take. So the trailer's out. I'm looking forward to it, by the way. I'm going to watch too. it. It's, it's five bucks, I think, to get Apple Plus per month. It's five bucks a month, I think. I'm, right? I'm already on it. I don't know. By the I, way, I'm on oh, it. By the way. If you're on it, you got to watch Slow Horses. Have you been watching Slow Horses with Gary no. Oldman? Oh, I know it, but I haven't watched really it. Really good. You're going to dig it. I think. Okay. I hate to overhype it, but I'm a big fan. In addition, this show Severance, I did not like. I watched only the first episode, but my wife got into it. And she said it got way better, and she watched it all the way through and was a big fan of this show Severance, which is sort made, of a, Made yeah. by Ben Stiller. Right. Exactly. But Slow Horses is a get. And of course, they have Ted Lasso. So Apple Plus, five bucks a month. Um, I'm going to watch Make or Break because uh, even though, you know, we're pretty harsh sometimes, we're fans of pro surfing and we want to see the WSL get it right. And maybe Make or Break will help. We'll see. But my takeaway on the trailer, and this is where I need some, am I being overly sensitive? But the last line there that Stephanie Gil Gilmore gives about this is a war. You have to find a way to win or else or something like that. I kind of was like, really? This isn't really a war. A war is the friggin' what's happening in Ukraine right now. And I'm wondering, did they not read the room? Did the editors, and by the way, I don't blame Stephanie Gilmore for this. To me, this is an editor thing. This is an edit mistake. But am I being, am I reading too much into it? Yes. Uh, uh, to me, the where that rubs me wrong is I've never seen Stephanie go to war. I know. Well, that too. So like, if, like if it was Billy Kemper saying that or, or about even, battling Jaws. Yeah. But Stephanie's implying that 
the war is between her and the other athletes, yeah. which is uh, not, I've never seen her do like really face no. competition with that level of ferocity. You know, Gabriel Medina, if he said it, I'd be like, yeah, yeah that guy puts his Spartan hat on and he tries to chop people's head off. Yeah, yeah. I agree. With so, that. Yeah, that was a, yeah. But I don't I don't think it's insensitive to actual what's happening know, in Ukraine right now. I don't. I okay. mean, yeah, maybe I'm. Just, but if somebody too involved or yeah, or somebody that's in that situation certainly could find that uh, distasteful. Yeah. All right. But, that's so all I what have. did so what did you think of the trailer though? Um, I know you yeah. are going to watch it. I'm going to watch it as well. But eh. did it feel? Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. I, I uh. wasn't. I wasn't like, oh god, they've got me hook, line, and sinker. You know, to me, it was kind of the same old, same old. Um, you know, but I'm, I agree. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I I had a lot of optimism um, during the last year hearing about the production because it's box to box and all that sort of stuff. But as I see more and more uh, footage leaked out or, you know, the trailers that are coming out for it. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like eroding my optimism, sadly. Yeah. We'll see, you know, like we're going to watch it and we'll be able to give more insight. Um, yeah. Well, again, filter everything. Just take heed my advice, WSL, any of these production companies filter everything through man and woman versus nature. That's it. And so obviously you can't manufacture that when you're running at Newcastle, yeah. but the first decision needs to be run them at eight foot barreling reef passes. And then the drama is inherent within that scenario. The secondary drama is the two competitors against one another, but it needs to be man versus nature and woman versus nature. So if Stephanie Gilmore was saying this is a war and she's got a scar on her face from hitting the reef face first and she's saying i'm confronting mother nature yeah this is a war boom i'm compelled i'm going to watch that you know but her saying this is a war between me and tyler wright because we're going to go surf knee-high waves together and see who can get a six three versus a six five i'm lost yeah, i am I agree. not interested so yeah. At any rate, um, the final thing that I will say, it is a must-see moment. Waterman is now in theaters. This is the feature documentary uh, narrated by Jason Momoa. You know who plays Duke Kahanamoku in all the rec recreations and reenactments? Um, I'm going to say Brian K. Long. Great call, but no, Dwayne DeSoto. Oh, cool. Another Super cool. Kaha guy. West yeah, guy. exactly. Uh, and so is Jason Momoa, by the way. Um, really, really well-made film. It's a delicate, obviously the Duke story is something that is uh, important to tell, quote, correctly. And I think this team did a phenomenal job and it is available to view in theaters right now. We don't see a lot of things get theatrical releases, but it's in theaters in Hawaii, uh, California as of Friday in Utah. And then... It's going to be on PBS as part of their American Masters series next month, the month of oh, cool. May, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've heard really yeah. good things about it, by the way. I'm sure you have too, and, and you've mentioned it solidly. So. It's really good. Yeah, cool. 
Right on, Scott. Well, hey, yeah. thanks to uh, our sponsors, waterwaystravel.com, realwatersports.com, of course, linkedin.com slash surf and athleticgreens.com slash surf. Yeah, thank you, sponsors. And let me plug a couple of things and then I got to go. But um, the California Gold Surf Auction is happening right now. Bidding is taking place. 63 lots uh, on the auction block and the bidding ends Friday, April 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So the auction's going great. We already have a board over $20,000 and uh, there's 63 lots. And there's something for everyone that you don't have to be uber wealthy to, to get in on the fun. And also I did a pretty good interview, I think with Devin Howard on the boardroom podcast. So um, we talk about the, the WSL longboard tour at great length. And uh, you might want to give a listen to that, the boardroom podcast, my interview with Devin Howard. Which board is over 20,000 bucks? There's a Greg Knoll, Mickey Dora Decat. Epic. Yeah. All right. Well, look, until next time, David, adios and aloha. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Turn the radio loud. I'm too alone to be proud. You don't know. Oh, yeah.